Till we're all growing a beard A man's face should never be bare We just want some facial hair We're anticipating, yeah, everyone's waiting for a beard Hey, good morning, everybody. This is One More Time. I guess for a whole bunch more times behind the beards. But one more time, I am in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, Not a preaching minister. Like today, I'm just a dude. Uh, Today, I'm just a guy with a beard and a camera. Um, It's kind of crazy, man. It is weird. Um, It's a weird feeling. Aaron's in Longview, and we are in transition. Hey, we got a uh, offer on the house. Yo, that's awesome, man. That like will, is such a relief. Like that's such a like to not have to have that when you move to a new area. Oh, yeah, man. I'll be able to completely just breathe a sigh of relief after the inspection tomorrow. So, dude, inspections yeah, stress me out. Um, I was really nervous about our house in Kansas with the inspection, but yeah. Everything went good. Yeah, and I think I know that there'll be a few things, and we're kind of ready to do those. But you never know. And you know what? Everything else at this point has just kind of fallen into place, and I trust that this is going to as well. Well, and you don't know what like the people buying it will see it and be like, "Oh, we can do that. That's fine." Right. And who knows? Who knows? But it's cool, man. You're in Longview. I'm in Baton Rouge. And the next time we get together, we're still gonna be in different rooms, I guess. Yeah, but we will be in different rooms in the same city. So it's hard to uh, it's hard to convince me not to do my podcast from home uh, when I have a four year old who right now is in the back (laughs) playing in his bedroom. Um, I would love it'd be cool to do something live, but I'd have to we'd have to switch. We'd have to like do our podcast on Mondays, uh, which we could or Wednesdays. I was going to say we have so many live viewers, you know, like what would they do if it was what would uh... they do? Yeah, but it might change the dy- dynamic. So I guess we could always uh, figure something out and, and play around with it if we wanted to. Who knows? Who knows? Who well, knows? Got, uh, Who knows? All kinds of stuff going on, man. We had a great send off this weekend. I was so uh, so humbled at the the mm. way people kind of showed up and really, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's it's hard when you're leaving a place, and I think when you leave a place the right way. I said this to him. I said a lot of times when preachers or ministers leave, there's always at least a one group of people that are like, man, good riddance. This guy's finally gone. And sometimes it's the minister. Sometimes it's some of the people in the church. Sometimes it's the leaders. Um, but when it's just one of those places that you feel like God's calling you to something new, that there's no real um, seminal um, event that's made you say, yeah, my time here is over. Um, leaving in a healthy and a holy way is, man, it's hard because you're leaving good friends yeah. and good friendships and good relationships. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, they really ha- they were happy for us, and they, they wished us off in a beautiful way. And it was a it was a emotional but really powerful day Sunday. But um, today's Tuesday, and we're now looking to pack up some boxes and get ready to really be in transition. So it was a good weekend for us. How about you? How was your weekend? Uh, it was a good weekend. I worked this weekend. I put in some OT time. Um, which I get paid a lot for. Uh, <laughs> not really. Uh, I, I put in some overtime. I went up to the church building. I've been, like I said, I, I, I was talking about uh, in the pre-show, 
about painting. I hate painting, but I always find myself painting. I also hate having unfinished rooms. And so like, I, I just, I wanted to get up there and um, work and finish the Latin room. We are, uh, we're starting a new series. Um, and I, this is like the third time I've done this. Uh, and I, I look forward to do it. I had a good friend, um, Parker Bullard did this. I saw his version of it and it's based off of Jeff Walling's version of it. Um, Jeff Walling calls it story of the Bible. I call it drawing through the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're starting that on Wednesday yeah. and I'm really excited about that, but it, it takes extra prep because um, Lauren ends up drawing the pictures behind me. I've learned that one, I can't draw and talk at the same time. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's two, hard. I can't even trace and talk at the same time. Cause I tried <laughs> it that way too. Uh, so that it just works better for me to slow down, be more conversational and talk uh, with more in depth while Lauren draws behind me. So, Basically, we start in Genesis. We'll work our way all the way through the Old Testament, and uh, I think actually we I stop. Um, I try to get to the fall of Jerusalem, uh, but we'll see if I can get that far. Uh, but so anyway, and and then Lauren draws these pictures behind you, so that as a listener, you're sitting there and you're drawing through it as well. So you have like the story of the entire Bible covered cover, um, and you kind of trace that through characters and names and. Uh, events and things that happen through the Bible. So, a lot of fun. It's 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 a different pace. It's really good for people who haven't read the entire Bible uh, or have only mm-hmm. read the Gospels or something like that. But we made this giant chalkboard wall in the teen room, and I love it, but it's really high up there. So I actually have a guy uh, who owns a construction business who's bringing in some scaffolding, and he's going to set it up so that Lauren can be at the top of the blackboard and draw the old Testament on the top. And then we're going to draw a new Testament kind of below it. That's cool. Yeah. Um, you need to video it. Yeah. So, you know, I don't be, have to go live. You don't have to stream it, but you know, video cool. it and be able to archive it. I think it'd be good to have, it might be useful for like, I think I'm thinking like even like families and you know, teens and little kids being able to use some of those things. But well, the best part about it is Jeff Walling has a video version of it that's way better and parker bullard also has a video version of it that's on youtube that's also better uh but i could do something you could could do something your kids and your families need to learn from you not from parker bullard or from jeff walling that's true we should have parker on the i should uh see if he'd ever want to come he doesn't have a beard i don't know if he could come on i might i haven't checked in a while i haven't checked in a while it's kind of the new thing we have have single-handedly made having a beard cool again that's 90% true. 90% 90% true. Everyone wants and, to be on the podcast, which is why they're growing beards. And 77.5% of stats are made up on the spot. Right. Yeah. Parker, well, maybe we're going to kind of dive into what we're talking about today. We're looking at uh, kind of an extension of what we talked about last week and moving in a little deeper, which is um, usually our, our kind of episodes are a question that we ask, but I kind of like that this one isn't. It just simply says, Stop right. avoiding hard conversations. We've um, evolved. We've changed from questions to statements. That's right. Um, stop avoiding hard conversations. And, you know, we've talked about, you know, different kinds of hard conversations before. Um, you know, there are some topics that are hard. There's some topics that are really divisive, not only in our culture, but also just in the church. 
Um, this is not what we're talking about, though, right? We're talking about those conversations that are a part of conflict. There's something I need to say to you. I don't know how to do it, so I'm just going to avoid it. And we got to right. stop doing that, right? Um, so where do you want to start, man? You want to start with uh, ministry stuff, you know, as a minister, how it's hard? I do. I think that would be a healthy way. I think the, the brainchild of this was, I, I think I'm taught... <clears throat> I'm tired of seeing church hurt. I'm tired of, of people seeing or, or being hurt uh, because we're afraid of something that is so core and fundamental to our, uh, to our faith. You know, um, we've been reading through uh, our Jody, our preaching minister taught our teens uh, this last like eight weeks, something like that on Wednesday nights. And we were talking about the stranger things of Jesus like mm. weird teachings that he taught. And this doesn't really fully apply to that, but I was just thinking like Jesus never shied away from, uh, from having these conversations uh, or something like that. So just to set the record straight, we're not talking about like having difficult conversations as far as like um, doctrinal issues or uh, kind of worldly issues that have seeped their way into the church. Today we're talking about this idea of, Hey, like, this is awkward and I need to talk to you about it because you can't, you can't be doing that around the teenagers, uh, you know, in the youth group. Like that's a hard conversation, confrontational kind of conversation that you might need to have with a brother or sister in Christ. And so if you're new yeah. to ministry, maybe we'll give you some tips and tricks, uh, you know, to, to work your way through that and, and have those conversations, but also to encourage you um to go ahead and go with those, because if you don't treat those, if you don't have those conversations, uh, we might think, oh, it'll just go away or it'll fix itself. But rarely not going away. Rarely. I was talking to a friend of mine last night. He's a veterinarian. And I said, yeah, he's like, how's your dog? And I was like, my dog's doing really good. Um, you know, the issue that he had is basically kind of fixed itself. And he says, yeah. It's kind of nice being a vet because a lot of those issues for dogs and cats just kind of fix themselves over time. And I said that's not like youth ministry at all. Uh, <laughs> if you don't, if you don't try to get ahead of it, it usually uh, will just get worse. Get worse. And yeah. he laughed, and then we were like, "That's not really that funny. That's that's kind of sad that that's true." And I was like, "Yeah, it is kind of sad, but it's also it's okay to be a little humorous and laugh about it." Well, you mentioned church hurt. I was looking and I realized how many TikToks we share back and forth when I was trying to go back and see, because I couldn't remember if I shared this one with you, A lot. <clears throat> but I was listening to this guy and he says, we have to stop equating mm. calling out wrong behavior with church hurt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like so many people get confronted by sin or inappropriate behavior and then they label it as church hurt. That's not mm -hmm. church hurt. He says you church hurt exists. Yeah. <laughs> Church hurt exists, and we have to definitely stop and fight against that. Um, but we can't um, completely take out of our hands the ability to hold one another accountable for inappropriate behavior. That's right. Um, and I thought that was just—I thought that was a really powerful statement. It is uh, that our fear of being a, kind of lumped in with that culture of, of hurting people in the church mm -hmm. has often caused us to take a step back and say, "Well." I don't want to be a source of that. So I'm just going to, we'll just see how this kind of plays out. Right. Um, and well, and I, I guess maybe we start I don't want to hurt their, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Uh, yeah. That's, that's what we're I gonna, hear a lot. Like 
so go ahead. Sorry. No, we're gonna we're gonna come around to like what it means for for other people as well because I think there is a little bit of a nuance between ministers and and what we do as as average everyday Christians mm-hmm. because of the role and the the role that we play in people's lives. But I think the basics are the same. So so we'll come around to to all those things, um, and we'll talk about some some of the ins and outs. But you were going to talk about like maybe why we avoid it, right? Why do we avoid those conversations? I think we uh, avoid some of those conversations, uh, especially in ministry, because one, we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings, right? Yeah, um, kind of want to be everybody's friend. <laughs> or maybe it's it's somebody who's doing something, and it's 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 innocent, uh, and they don't realize that it's it's something that they like they shouldn't be doing. Yeah, you know, um, uh, kind of an idea. But we, I think a lot of times, like we avoid it because we feel like we're going to hurt that person uh, if we tell them about it. We just talked about that a little bit. Um, and I think in experience, when I think about it, when we don't have those conversations, they might hear about it through somebody else or it might come out later. Uh, I've been doing this for so long. Why are you just now telling me? Um, youth ministers, if you've got somebody who wants to come and teach a class, uh, in your in your youth group, you know that they are going to teach in a way that's going to rub your kids the wrong way. Um, maybe it's going to be more... It's not that they're not saying biblical facts. I'm not saying that. I'm saying like maybe they're teaching in such an authoritative manner that it turns people off and there is uh, something to be learned from the fear of God, but at the same time, the tighter you squeeze your fist the more that they ooze through your fingers or whatever. That's not the way you say that saying, but <laughs> ooze is a good word. Uh, this is a good word. Like youth ministers know that there's an approach uh, to talk to your teenagers. And we have, we have challenging conversations with teenagers quite frequently. We are just equipped to go about it in a different manner because it's based off a relationship. So if youth ministers, you might have somebody who wants to come in and you know, they're going to teach in a very authoritative manner and you just bite the bullet and you go, okay, I'm just going to let them do it. And then, and then that happens. Is that better than having the conversation with them about their teaching style and, and maybe the content of what they're going to teach? Is it better for them to offend or hurt uh, some of your teens or to put that same mindset or the, the poison of Satan in their brains of, see, this is what, People never listen, and it's always uh, in their brain. Or is it better for you to sit down with that person and say, hey, I would love for you to come teach, um, but let's talk about your teaching style. Let's talk, let me let me help you as a, as a trained youth minister. How can I help you be more effective in teaching teenagers? I understand yeah. you have a passion, yeah. and I love that you have this passion, but I don't think it's translating uh, to the teenagers as you as you are hoping and desiring it to be. So how can I help you do this? Yeah, and that's and that's not it's just not an easy conversation to have because you're criticizing. Most of the time, you're younger. Yeah, and a lot of th- a lot of times you're younger. Uh, a lot of times, uh, for me, I avoid that conversation because um, I can't afford. This is my mind says mm-hmm. I can't afford to have this conversation. Because if I go have this conversation, this person's going to get upset with me. 
they are probably going to walk away. These are the excuses that I formulate, yeah. right? No, they're going to they're going to walk away and they're going to tell somebody else. Josh was mean to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you wouldn't believe the things that he said to me. Um, and they're not going to <clears throat> volunteer again. They're right. not going to come back in to be a part of this ministry. And I'm going to be assigned with um, being affiliated with someone in a position of um, ministry, um, hurting someone. And I'm going to be in this, so I can't afford to. Or I just can't afford in general to lose a volunteer. Right. And I I can't afford it. And so the thing I have to realize is um, I can't afford not to have this conversation. Yeah, because if someone is going to walk away because we are confronted with some things that aren't right um, or things that need to be done in a different way, uh, the the motivation is important. Um, it's important in the way that we we are working in the church, and so we can't afford to not have this conversation because if you don't have the conversation. This person is going to continue to be there. It's going to continue to be a source of strife. It's going to continue to be a source of, of friction. And people recognize that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of times we think we do a pretty good job of, of, of internalizing and hiding some of those things. Um, but but that kind of, of friction can really be sensed. And it negatively affects so many other aspects of what we do in ministry. And so when we think I can't afford to do this, what we have to realize is we can't afford not to. Yeah. Um, that's something that has to be done. It's uncomfortable. And if that person walks away from volunteering, um, look, somebody else is going to step in and take that role. Mm-hmm. Um, it always happens. The, the people in churches always fill a void that's left. Um, and we move forward in a different way, sometimes better. Sometimes it's in a way that forces us to learn. Um, but reframing, you know, the long-term goal of what we're after, I think is an important aspect of that as well. Yeah. I think sometimes as a new minister or, and, and maybe not a new minister at a place, but just in general, like sometimes we can feel trapped by our title. You know, what do I mean mm-hmm. by that? I'm the youth minister. I only minister to the youth. No one else. Um, and I think that's a lie. Uh, you are a minister to the entire church who focuses on the youth group. Uh, and so your volunteers and those people who are helping out in your ministry, they're people who are under uh, you know, your ministry as well. Um, I call them Sherpas after Dave Blanchard. And maybe that's another person we could have on the podcast too. Um, mm-hmm. But I call, them, I call them Sherpas based off of his program. I love it. See, hear, engage respect pray and affirm Ooh, you know. mm-hmm. uh and when i heard that i was like man that is what that is what you want like in a leader you want somebody who who can follow those steps and to do that so i i've started doing sherpa training uh with people um you know uh i i even want to like go i think what i'm gonna start doing in the future this is this is live, people. This is live in the the brain of Aaron Partlow coming at you. <laughs> this is dangerous. Scared. <laughs> I think I would like to do um like tryouts. Not really tryouts, but be like, 
oh, you want to teach next quarter? That's exciting. Why don't you come teach one class for me uh, so that I can witness and see this person teach, uh, and then I'll talk to you about teaching. You know, hey, you're, you're a great teacher. I'm looking forward to it. Kind of feels like you need to prep a little bit more, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, kind of seems like you popped open the curriculum that morning and started teaching. Uh, it's okay to to read through the curriculum or the lesson beforehand, so you know your start, middle, and end. Uh, if you if you if I can if I can connect the beginning, middle, and end in your lesson, then that's good. That's an a that's a that's a hard conversation to have with somebody. I'm not saying this is a tryout. What I'm saying is is I'd like to see you teach, so that we can go from there. Um, <laughs> Which is basically a tryout. Which is kind of like a tryout. It's well, kind of like a tryout. Like conflict. It, here's where I think we have. Um, I don't want to say gone wrong, mm. but here's where I think we've kind of missed a mark with some of these things. We have been taught in so many of our relationships. Oh, that for sure. Conflict. Conflict is a sign that something is wrong. Yeah. Um, and and I think that has affected our marriages. It's affected our friendships. It's affected our churches. Yeah. Um, and that we don't know how to handle conflict. It's affected us um, socially as people too. Yeah, absolutely. And and what we have to understand is that without conflict, we don't grow. Yeah. Um, when we come together as as people, as humans, as brothers, as sisters, as husbands and wives, as family members, as friends, when we have a point of conflict and we come together, address it work through it and come out on the other side, we are better people for it. Yeah. Um, and because we have been trained to avoid conflict, um, we've also been trained to accept where we are and to never really grow past it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe a lot of it is, is reframing our view of, of conflict mm -hmm. that this isn't something that we have to avoid. Um, and just because we avoid it doesn't mean that the problem isn't still there. Um, it just means that we're not dealing with it. And most of the time, if we don't deal with it, um, it just festers and grows because we still have the emotions. They still have the emotions. Um, and the more it grows within us, all we're asking for is for that to come erupting out at some point. And if we get to that point, it's not healthy. It's not uplifting. Um, and it's not really good for, for anyone, you know, you know, and not only that, but we, you get to this idea of, of how have we been trained over the years? You know, um, you talk to a lot of teenagers and they're like, don't you dare call me, text me, you know, um, yeah. you talk to a lot of adults and they're like, uh, they would rather, they would never respond or say something to you, to your face. Um, but they will respond maybe to an email. Uh, yeah, right. You know, because I can send it and it's gone and it's taken care of and it's done. Um, and so we avoid conflict uh, through a lot of stuff. We, ha we, have a lot, we have a lot more opportunities to do things online than we've ever been able to. You can register, pay bills, do all this stuff online without ever having to leave your house and, and have... An interaction with somebody else, and yet Jesus's church, his bride, causes you to interact with other people uh, in all things, and the good things, and the bad things, and the strives. Jesus says, you know, uh, that if you if you have a problem, 
go to that person and he uses that phrase, you know, um, so that if they listen to you, you gain a brother. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a mind shift that we have to go through when we think about conflict. We always think about conflict as a one-on-one battle. You know, I've got to defeat them and beat them into submission, you know, and teach them the right way. And that's not what Jesus is saying, right? Yeah. He talks, no, about, he talks about this idea of gaining a brother. So it's more like I'm going to go to you and we're going to have this conversation so that we can be closer so that you know my heart and know me better. I know your heart and I know you better so that we can have this discussion and this conversation, which might be in conflict, but I'm doing it out of brotherly love. Well, and even is it Jesus or is it Paul? I, I'm going to have to go back and look, but it says, if you win them over, you've gained a brother. Yeah. What does it mean to win in conflict though? Like if, if, if you are doing something that I disagree with, we are in a point of conflict. What does it mean for me to win you over? Mm. Um, and I think that's an, another aspect of conflict True. resolution. It doesn't mean that I have to go to you and you have to agree with me. Mm-hmm. What it means is I go to you and together we find a path forward. Ooh. You know, so, yeah. um, you know, we are all on this path and we don't have to come out as cookie cutter the same. But what we do have to do is we have to find a path forward that satisfies as a minister, my need to protect the people that I've been charged to minister to. Mm-hmm. And you need to come out with a way of moving forward in a way that not only you feel confident in, but is also true to your personality yourself as well. Right. And so how do we find a path forward that allows you to serve the kingdom in a way that you feel called to? And I f- have a path forward that allows me to give you that space that also protects the ministry that I've been called to serve. In. Right. Um, and I, I hate to say we need to learn to embrace conflict. But I think we really need to learn to embrace conflict. Embrace conflict. Um, and when we embrace conflict, what we do is we recognize this is really good and healthy, especially yeah. when it's dealt with in a holy way. That's right. Um, yeah. I think, you know, we talk about this a lot. And we always talk about, like, what's the first step anytime you should do anything? And the first step is always bathe it in prayer. That's you right. Know, we, don't, we don't bathe it in prayer so that we are that, that we win. Like, it's not about that winning can you weaken can you weaken my foe so that i may conquer him with wise words that's right yeah (laughs) that's not what it's about it's about uh it's about calling and and bringing god into the conversation um you know uh that he's already there uh kind of a thing and so and coming with a spirit of humility in that prayer that says if i if i am wrong here part of it Mm -hmm. give me the heart to receive that that's right that i may come with an open heart and an open mind Mm-hmm. Um, because I recognize my flaws as human as well. So that's right. The other aspect of this that I think we have been thinking about it a lot with, as we've think, thought about our new uh, position there at, at Pine Tree, um, and this phrase has come up frequently that you know we're bringing Josh in to work with our young marrieds, mm. and I think we have this perception. That because someone's been married for a long time, mm. then they have a marriage that they should be a mentor. We're going to bring, hey, these people have been married for 45 years. And so we want them to come in and we want them to mentor these, this couple that's been married for two. Have you made and, it that long? And if I am 
if we're quite honest, and I've seen some people in my family, they've been married for a long time. Yeah, I don't want their marriage. That's right. Because the only reason they're still together is because one, they've avoided conflict, and two, they're afraid of getting smitten by God if they get a divorce. Yeah. And and it's not worth replicating because it's it's unfulfilled. I would venture to say even unholy because it's not what God had designed for him. Um, but it comes from this aspect of we can't have conflict because conflict means there's a problem. Mm-hmm. And so because we've avoided that conflict, you know, we just have someone that says, yes, ma'am, and just goes and does it instead of actually having a conversation about what would be better for everybody. Right. And so working with, hey, teaching people, you might have been married for 45 years. And you may really wish something was different. It's never too late mm-hmm. to begin making the right steps towards creating something that God to experience the full range of what God has designed for us in our relationships. Right. Um, and, and really embracing that, that awareness. And, and I think that's where we move from what we do as ministers and how it's a little different from what we do in our everyday lives. Um because we do hold a different responsibility as ministers of the gospel of Jesus in whatever capacity we serve. Right. But we have a very same responsibility or a very similar responsibility to a brother and sister in Christ. Yeah, that's the truth. That's the truth. Um, What are the nuances to what we do every day besides, you know, how do we move that into everyday life? Um, Maybe with your kids. How do you, do you have any conflict with Sam? None. Yeah, I bet you don't. Sam's perfect. (laughs) <laughs> mm, I wouldn't say that, but yeah, I mean, like you just like, I think like the, I think there's just a, an acceptance of your responsibility, right? I mean, I have a, I have to accept my responsibility as a minister, uh, that the teenagers or that the youth group is under my, uh, shepherdship, um, there. And so I've got to, I've got to have those conversations because that's what I'm called to do in the same way. Um, you know, as a husband, I'm called the same way, you know, uh, to do mm-hmm. that. And, and so there's like this as a father, you know, as a Christian, as a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, like we have callings, we have, um, it, it for me, it makes me think a lot of times of like doing a one year review or something. Right. And what do you do at a one year review? Well, you get your job description and you pull it out and you mark the things you're doing good. You mark the things that you think you need to be doing better. And you kind of go through that. Right. Um, if I went through that, you know, with uh, one of our elders here and I was like, yeah, here's my job description. And I just kept my thumb on a certain section so that they never saw that section. You know, they'd be like, well, what's under your thumb? You know, why are you not doing that? Like, why are you not like it's your fatherly, it's your parental, it's your Christian, it's your husbandly, it's your wifely duty, you know, to 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 say this or to have these conversations or to go through this or to address this conflict that's going on, you know, um, it's your, it's your responsibility to do that. So accepting our full responsibility, which, man, we could do a whole show on that, you know, because are we accepting our responsibility just in general as being a Christian, you know, are we content to allow our neighbors and people around us to not see Jesus or not to have a conversation or not know him uh, because it might be awkward for us to have a conversation or just to ask them, Hey, do you go to church anywhere? Are you interested? 
um, or anything like that. You know, well, I don't want to be offensive, you know. Uh, and so we have a lot of, you know, are we discipling other people? There's there's a lot of things that we can have a conversation about. Like, are we are we living up fully to the name Christian? Um, so I think that's one of those nuances that, that kind of carries over is that there's a responsibility for us, you know, as Paul says, to live at peace with everybody. And yeah. there's a lot of times where we're like, we, we decide that living at peace with somebody is I'm never going to say anything. That's not at peace. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there is, there is turmoil and there's conflict there and, and you maybe need to work through that. Yeah. And when it rose into, so as a, as a minister, I have a responsibility to the church and to the kingdom to, to do some things in a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while the responsibility is different as a husband, as a father, as a brother, as a friend, um, it's not any more or less profound of a responsibility. Right. Um, because yeah. it's still a place that I've been given in life and it's how we move forward um, together. Uh, I think there, there's, there's a few things and, and we've talked about, I mean, how do, how do we do this? What are some things that we can do? Uh, yeah. How do we get to some practical like, sides before we end here? Like if you haven't, if you haven't, I have to go talk to somebody. Mm. If the morning I have to go talk to somebody is the first time I've actually laid it before the throne of God in prayer, I need to reschedule that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I mean, Amen we need to, to spend weeks, weeks, days and weeks ahead of time, preparing our minds, preparing our hearts to come with the right motivation, and the right spirit. Yeah. Um, if, I mean, if there's something like dangerous on the line, that's a different story. We're talking about, points of conflict that we need to address, we have to come with the right spirit mm-hmm. and the right heart. Um, and so I, I just, I, I love the image of bathing something in prayer. I mean, right. it is completely covered. Um, I used to laugh at the kids, you know, it's like, Hey, go take a shower. And it's like, boom, boom, in and out three minutes. It's like, dude, like you have to wash. You can't just jump in, jump out and dry off. I know. You got to use soap. You got to wash your hair. You got to wash your face. There's all well, kinds always- of things that, Lauren always says that to me. <laughs> you weren't in there long enough to actually bathe. That's um, right. Bathing it in prayer. Uh, and, and, and I think we have to come with exactly what we talked about last week. I have to come with an open heart that is willing to listen mm. um, above all things. Uh, because the point of coming coming together is to understand one another first. Right. Yeah. Um, first to understand. And then once I understand where you are, now I can begin describing the things that come from my end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I hope one day to get into this point of conflict where we have a debate over who gets to present their side first, because we want to listen so badly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. After you. No, no, no. After you. No, 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 no. After you. Yeah. Um, but in the but if I'm bringing this, if it is my um, my heart that's bringing this to the table, I need to first come to you and say, "Hey, man, I have some things I need to deal with." But first, I want to hear where you are coming from in this. I want to hear your heart. I want to hear your desire. I want to hear what you have 
in your life that you want to bring forward. Mm-hmm. And then I'll tell you where I'm seeing a point of conflict and we can figure out how we move forward together. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are like two of the things that I think of that we just, um, I guess three, prayer, come with an open mind and come ready to understand someone else's point of view. Yeah. And I think this goes along the lines for, for all types of hard conversations, whether it's correct, uh, oh, corrective, sure. yeah, absolutely. Cor- corrective behavior. You know, hey, I need to correct a behavior. I need to have this. You know, I have a teenager who falls asleep a lot in class. You know, I need to have a conversation with him. I need to have a conversation with his parents. It's going to be awkward. It's going to be weird. I don't want to hurt the relationship I have with the teenager. But I also don't want to hurt the relationship that teenager has with God. And I know that he needs to be awake and, you know, alive during these Bible classes. You know, kind of an ordeal. I need to bathe that in prayer and I need to have a conversation uh, with them. That's an awkward conversation. That's a corrective behavior. It's not a, I have a conflict with somebody, but it's a hard conversation that, you know, you end up having to have, um, you know, well, I and a, bringing, I a, a, bringing a come a, to the table ready to understand first, mm-hmm. ask the question, not just, I got to correct this, but mm-hmm. let's find out what's at the source mm-hmm. of what's going on. Yeah. That shows that I care about them. And when yeah. I approach that conversation, I approached that in a sense of caring about them. I had a teenager one time who was really upset because he, uh, you know, a girl said no to him in the youth group. He asked her out, um, you know, yeah, and yeah. when she said no, he then asked out her sister and she said <laughs> no. He then called another. So this went on for like four or five girls in the youth group. And he comes to me afterwards. He's like, listen, I just don't know why the youth group is treating me so weird. None of the, you know, our youth group was like 70% girls. He was like, I just feel like, a lot of them aren't even talking to me. And I was like, dude, you just put them all in a super awkward place. Like it's going to take a while. So we had to have a conversation, an awkward conversation, a hard conversation. One I never thought I'd ever have to have with a kid in a youth group about you can't do that. Like you said, like, and, and you, you also can't did. take, you also can't take it back. Like it's already out there. So you're going to have to work through this. Um, but through that, I was able to, you know, build our relationship and go forward and move forward through that uh, kind of an idea. So, I mean, I think there also has to be a willingness uh, to move forward uh, and to go through that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh... So that's what I would add. Like a willingness. I think you have to listen to a podcast uh, that we did last week about, you know, about that idea and about that willingness uh, to change your mind, even to enter into some of these hard conversations. Sometimes there might be a very good reason, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I think you brought up an important point of uh, understanding the kind of conversation. Is this yeah. just a point of conflict? Is this a disagreement of styles? Mm-hmm. Um, is mm-hmm. this some, a behavior that needs to be corrected? Mm hmm. Um, am I warning you of a, of a future danger? Like I'm seeing something in you that can be a problem down the road and we've got to fix it now. Yeah. Um, there has or, to be so much more thought process through it too, because yeah. real quick, because I've had, I've had Not teachers, either. I've had teachers in the youth group and I've been like, that was a terrible class. And then I'll talk to the teenagers and I'll be like, that was such a good class. I feel like I really learned with that teaching style. And I was like, Oh, it was a good class for them. It was not my teaching style that spoke to me, but there were some teenagers who, or a lot of teenagers who really learned from that 
you know, that, um, that teaching style. Um, and so, you know, I don't have to have that conversation. I, I feel I stand corrected, mm-hmm. uh, kind of a mindset. So again, that openness. So a lot of times if I have to enter into a conversation or, or with a, with a teacher, uh, or something like that, I will start with the teenagers and I'll be just nonchalantly a lot of times be like, how was class? How, how are you learning? How do you, how do you like it? Um, you know, kind of stuff like that and move through that. Yeah. Not a, Hey, ta- time, find, time for you to tattle on the tattle on the teacher. Tell no, me not at all. To, no, but just not exploring, you know, what are they learning from it? Who engaged mm-hmm. are different people answering. Mm-hmm. When you say, Hey man, how was class? Is that a whole different group of people that are going, dude, that was awesome. Than have ever really spoken up before you see how that does mm-hmm. um i think about uh when someone um we can stick with youth ministry i have a kid that's always been present always been good always been uplifting always been encouraging always been happy right that shows up angry bitter starting fights argumentative yeah. um and you know so this is behavior that's <clears throat> uncommon so do i like kind of come up here and, and flex my authoritarian muscle and say, Hey, I'm the adult in here. I make the rules. You're going to follow my rules. Or do I take that student, set him aside and say, Hey man, tell me what's going on. What's up. What is going on in your life outside of this place? That's bringing this forward. This, this is not you. Um, and, and be in that point of listening to determine, this is probably not a corrective behavior conversation we need to have. Yeah. We need to find out what's at the root of this kind of a metamorphosis, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. there's something else going on and how do we fix it and walk forward together? Uh, so just, you know, defining, defining the conversation and the objective, what are we trying to get to? What's, yeah. what's the point at which we can call this a successful conversation? Man, we talked about um, in our staff meeting, <laughs> we read this book, uh, Managing Leadership Anxiety uh, mm-hmm. by uh, Stephen Cuss. And it was a really good book. I enjoyed it. And one of the things that he talks about there is um, because you can get a lot of anxiety from having going to have to have these hard conversations. Right. But a lot of times he said uh, he said there's that we should lean in, lean in instead of pulling away from people who make your life harder, lean in Um, kind of this mindset. That's right. You see how I'm always leaning in when Josh starts yapping his mouth. No, I'm just kidding. Um is, is is we have to lean in, and I think my my final words on this topic would be that idea of of don't pull away, fall away, avoid these kind of hard conversations. Lean into God's power, His mm-hmm. grace, and His mercy for them and for you, especially for you, and lean into those hard conversations. Because nine times out of ten, like I'm saying, is when you go and you have these conversations it's better for them it's better for you um and the faster you get on top of it the easier it is it's kind of like having a leak in your roof you can try to avoid it you can try to put new paint up or whatever uh, but if you don't take care of that leak it's just gonna get worse yeah that's um, right you know uh, and there's there's so many examples that are and your floors are gonna you get lumpy. think of and you're gonna have lumpy floors if you don't have plastic underneath them you know what my problem with it Texas. is? My problem with it is it's good, but it's hard. Yeah, I just get tired of doing it. Yeah, it's true. But Josh, remember Galatians chapter six, verse nine: Don't grow weary in doing good. 
this world is messy. This life is messy. But allow Christ to use you to do something different. Be different than the world that's around us. Do something good. Do something good in Jesus' name. We are excited uh, that you're here and listening to us. We appreciate you all being here. But do not grow weary in doing good. I'm Aaron. This is Josh. And we'll see you next week from who knows where on Behind the Beards. Till we're all growing a beard. A man's face should never be bare. We just want some facial hair. We're anticipating, yeah, everyone's waiting for beer.